passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. That is not going to work. What are your names again? My name. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting the rock you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years. You like you just stepped out of Oliver Twist. Please, sir. May I have some more advice, sir? You want some advice? Here's the rock advice. Shut your mouth. What you want. What you want. How about what the rock wants? Allow me to reintroduce myself. I am the jabroni beating, pie eating, trail blazing, eyebrow raising, talking is done, you're out of your class, no sleep till Brooklyn, the rock whoops your ass. What's going on, brothers and sisters? Coming to you from Theater D, Row J, Seat 7, I am the Godfather, Nate Milton, and this is the Rocky Maya Via Picture Show, your favorite pop culture and pro wrestling podcast dedicated to the genius of sports entertainer turned thespian, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now playing this week, 2009's Race to Witch Mountain. Jack Bruno, it would appear we have not eluded them so over this. Stay down! Stay down! Seth, no. That's not a good idea. I have to try. It's too dangerous. Look out! All right. See that, that, that clip right there, folks? That was just a little taste. That was the appetizer. That was the setup for this meal that we're about to eat this week on the program but you know i can't review this movie alone and since every siskel needs an ebert every ebert needs a roper and every blaine needs a twan i have two special guests to help me review this film and first off full disclosure i know it's not 1964 but we're having our very own british invasion this week on the program because my first guest is a member of the post wrestling family He's the co-host of Up Next, 
and he's one half of the infamous BDE. Davey Portman's in the building. What's going on, brother? Hello, 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 brother Nate. How are you doing? I am doing well, my friend. I, I believe, I might be wrong, but I believe this is the first time we've actually done a show together. It is indeed, yeah. This is quite exciting. I've, I've had you in my ears quite a few times, so this is, this is pretty cool. I think that's my mission before the, I mean, I was, I was going to say before this show ends, but given The Rock's output and work rate, there is no way this show is ending anytime soon. But I want to have all of the, the disparate hosts on the, the post-wrestling network to come sit down in the theater at least once. So I'm glad that you're able to join me this week to talk about this, uh, this film that we experienced, sir. Oh, absolutely. And we'll definitely need you to virtually join us in the BDE one day. Yes, I, I will accept that invitation. Uh, my second guest is a loyal postmark, and he is what I will refer to as a Witch Mountain enthusiast. When, when, when I announced that I was doing this project and, and everybody started filling my inbox with, I'd like to do the rundown, or I can't wait to do Fast and Furious, or I, I just want to do the Tooth Fairy, out here on an island, uh, maybe even a peninsula, was Witch Mountain. And nobody wanted to do Witch Mountain. Nobody stepped up to the plate and said, Nate, I will be your co-host for this journey. No one but Daniel Perry. So, D- Brother Daniel, welcome to the theater, and we finally made it happen, sir. That, <laughs> that is a great introduction, man. Thank you. Yeah, I'm. Uh, as I rewatch this film, I'm realizing that now that you've seen it, I must sound like an absolute maniac wanting to <laughs> review this film. So uh, I'm, uh, I, I just kind of just yesterday, I was just speaking to my girlfriend and I was like, yeah, yeah I'm good. I could do this podcast. And I know when I could have mentioned, she was like, Race to Witch Mountain? That, that's the one you're doing? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, it wasn't, it was an interesting film, but I've got great memories of it because, uh, you know, uh, and, and that, that's my part in, in why uh, I'm such a fan. Um, so uh, when I first started, I, I work in the, the film industry uh, here in the UK, and, mm. and um, I was working for Disney at the time uh, okay. when this film was released, which is 10 years ago. And um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a film that I have probably more fond memories of being at a really cool company at the start of my career than uh, as, again, I look uh, 10 years later and go, oh, yeah, this is, this is interesting. <laughs> it is it is and it's funny because this film takes place squarely in what i what i still refer to as kind of phase two of the rock's career like we're we're past you know the early stages you know he's got some movies under his belt now but he's not to where he's the biggest movie star on the planet not yet you know that that wouldn't come for a couple more years and so I find the movies and the choices he makes in this time frame, particularly a lot of the Disney films uh, that he does, they're interesting choices. So before we get to the movie proper, we got a couple of things we got to take care of, a couple of boxes we got to check. So first of all, I want to ask you, gentlemen, and we can start with you, Davey, with your relationship with The Rock as a wrestler. Were you, were you a big fan of the WWE during the Attitude Era? And what did you make of Dwayne Johnson as an in-ring performer? I was, yeah. I started watching kind of, uh, I'd say, end of 98, 99. That's when uh, my family first got Sky. So my brother actually started watching wrestling first. And I'd kind of go into the room late and see what he's watching and be like, ah, okay, this looks interesting. Not quite sure what all the deal was. But I was definitely um, the rock guy. I I always preferred rock over Stone Cold at the time. I wanted to get like the 
the cool sunglasses. I wanted a $500,000 shirt. Like, he was mm. my guy. Um, and yeah, sort of, I, I guess I took my first hiatus from wrestling kind of as he got phased out. Like, I remember the, uh, the WrestleMania where he came back with uh, Foley against Evolution. And then I think that was the last WrestleMania I saw live for quite a while. Um, so yeah, definitely fell out after he left. And he was actually what brought me back to wrestling. Because uh, I saw he came back like all over Twitter when he was coming to be the host. So I was like, all right, I might check this out again. So he's a huge part of wrestling for me. And it's funny you bring up Sky Sports because when I lived in Japan and we had uh, the cable on the military base, Sky, we, we had like two or three different Sky channels. And it was funny because they had all the WWE pay-per-views. They were just like a month and a half, two months late. Right, okay. So, <laughs> so it's like, oh, cool, I'm getting to watch WrestleMania for free even though it's August, but still, it's cool. It's free WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it definitely boomed in the UK because Channel 4 got uh, Sunday Night Heat and they'd get four big pay-per-views for free a year. So it had mm. uh, it had the Royal Rumble, it had uh, WrestleMania, I believe SummerSlam as well. And then I think, um, uh, what was her name? Miss Kitty the Cat at Royal Rumble with that bathing suit contest. That's when Channel 4 were like, ah, maybe not, maybe not anymore, um, and cut it off. But this was definitely, like, you couldn't avoid wrestling around, like, the early 2000s, late 90s. It was it was everywhere. Mm. What about you, Daniel? It, it's kind of, well, I mean, for me, I mean, I, I've been a, a huge kind of, particularly kind of WWF fan since kind of 89, um, which obviously puts my age uh, a, a tiny bit older than the babies. Um <laughs> But just that, you know, that that to me, you know, at that early, pe- uh, you know, I kind of, you know, on and off stuck through most of the 90s, which is is crazy right now when you kind of go back to, you know, those mid uh, mid 90s periods. But, you know, I, I was kind of there for when rock was Rocky my beer and mm. that whole change. And, and it was quite strange because I I kind of dropped off just at the end of kind of the, you know, the nation of domination stuff and. Uh, you know, just before he was kind of really about to hit that next peak with Austin and do, you know, do all those kind of great promos. And he was always just massively entertaining, you know, always somebody you could, you know, say to a friend, oh, my God, this guy is just like because he, he you didn't even have to watch his matches. You know, it yeah. was just, you know, just watch him cut promo after promo. And it was just, you know, fantastic. And then really, I kind of came back. I watched I was watching a lot of Nitro, which, you know, we uh, you could do in the UK at the time is like on the. Friday, so basically on a Friday in the UK, uh, you know, around 97, 98, something like that, you know, you had Nitro and Raw on a Friday night on uh, kind of TNT or whatever the channel was in the UK and, and then Sky. So you had kind of both together. But, you know, I think for me, that was always the part that the one kind of main character that I just followed the whole time was was Rock. You know, he's just... An absolutely, you know, phenomenal, uh, and and obviously Austin's fantastic and everything else. But you know, I think for me that was a, a really big part of probably why I stopped watching wrestling. So it was interesting you just mentioned uh, Davey about the, um, you know, that kind of early two thousands time period that you know basically kind of when he was around two thousand two was pretty much when I stopped watching wrestling for like nine years. Um, had a massive gap from it, which which didn't get brought back until the I think the punk pipe bomb or something like that. But um, so yeah, for the Rock, he's, he's always been uh, that was kind of the the key part of introduction, and you know I've always been uh, 
uh, a big fan of, of um, everything he's done, including this wonderful, <laughs> wonderful film, I, Race to Witch Mountain. I feel also you, you kind of look back at that time and you take for granted how good uh, everyone was on the mic. And it was oh, just man, this past yeah. Friday, I, I had a friend over who's kind of a lapsed fan and we watched the, the new Smackdown the on Fox and The Rock comes out and it part of me is like he shouldn't be there because it just overshadows everyone. It was the same with the Jericho promo on AEW last week. You just see how they're in a completely different league, uh, Mike skills-wise, to anyone these days. And it's it's no surprise, really, to see he's had the career he has when you go back and watch those kind of promos. But it, it was almost the norm back then. It, it's funny because when I think about The Rock in particular and those guys on the mic in general back then... And we saw it, like you said, on the debut of uh, SmackDown on Fox. 75% of what The Rock said was gibberish. But the way he said it was phenomenal. You know, it's Kanye West has a line in one of his songs where he's like, uh, even my superficial thoughts are super official. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, even when The Rock isn't saying anything, yeah. he says it better than anybody else can. I think one of the great things with rock, and I think that that that's one of the the you know we talk about the promos and, and how we how, you know how we can come out now, and, and you got to remember there was a period where rock was coming back into um, you know as a performer, you know particularly around kind of the scene stuff, the punk stuff, and a lot more of that was scripted. You know, it was a very different rock that came back around that time, and you know seeing them the last couple of and particularly on that Fox uh, SmackDown. You know, that he, you could tell, no script there. He's just on point. And it, that, the thing for me is, it, it's that attitude of for, for him and Austin. They, are no, they know they are untouchable with what they can say out there. Like, there's yeah. no, there's no, you know, what are you going to do, Vince? Yeah. <laughs> no, Rock, you're not coming back on our shows. You're not going to spike our rate. They're just like, yeah, sure, whatever. And it's, it gives him, this is that, that part where I really loved seeing it. It's like, you were like, oh, he's in that mood. Like I was randomly, completely randomly, uh, a couple of years ago, I was out in LA uh, for, for, for a business trip. And I managed through a friend of mine to get uh, tickets for the Raw that was happening in the Staples Center uh, uh, at that time. Mm. Just completely, just randomly, no plans whatsoever. And that was the night that The Rock came and filmed uh, the scene for page, the page film. Yes, um, yes, yeah, because that was the yeah, so, uh, that was the infamous uh, the infamous raw with uh, CM Punk Lamar on the Ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Lamar Ball it, it, and his son. <laughs> yeah, oh and so it basically got to a point where you know he he does he's doing like you know the CM Punk call you know mm, trying to get in touch yeah. with this you know and just seeing him in his element like he wanted that crowd hype to just be, you know, we're filming. This is the, you know, ultimate kind of, you know, scene in the film. This is going to be, you know, this big moment and we need you guys going crazy. And he just, he just whipped up that crowd so incredibly well with just like this total unscripted, because it, you know, it wasn't being filmed. So he was just killing it. And I think that's, that's the part of why I think, you know, that there's not enough of that risk. You know, everyone, the main thing everyone talks about unscripted promos, but it's beyond that. You know, it's the reason why things like Talking Smack are always so good was, mm. you know, it's that rawness that you don't know what's going to come next. And The Rock just did that. You know, he was never boring. You know, he was never say, he would say his own kind of, um, uh, you know, catchphrases. But at the same time, he had a lot to say as well. would always build on that um, really, really well. Most definitely. And I think like when you talk about 
The Rock just being able, one of those people who's able to freestyle, one of those people who's able to speak extemporaneously and, and just go unscripted better than most people in the business. That's why I think it's been such a fascinating transition to watch him make the move into movies and, and to becoming an actor and the biggest star on the planet. Uh, Davey, what did you make of The Rock when, when we first started to see him kind of take on this second act of his career as a Hollywood actor? Uh, well, it was, yeah, I, I went to see Scorpion King when it when it first came out. And at the time, it was just, yeah, you're seeing The Rock. You're seeing your favorite wrestler in a film, and it's cool. And, like, I was young at the time, so it, it didn't really matter how the, how the film was. Um, but, yeah, seeing him get to kind of this level, there's, there's almost a kind of... Um, so you know how people are like, oh, I was following that band before they made it big and almost yeah. this kind of spite when you see other people liking them. And like you almost get that with The Rock. Like I'm so happy like how well he's doing. But when you hear people talking about uh, The Rock or Batista and they're not wrestling fans, I'm like, fuck you. I was with them from day one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Daniel? Did did you think? Did you see? You know, you talk about the talent that the Rock had on the microphone. Did you see him being able to translate that to the big screen? Uh, not for years. <laughs> you know, I, I think you know, listening back to to some of the episodes of, of yours now over the you know the last few months, and you know, uh, there's this reoccurring thing that happens with him, and and I think it's fascinating, and and, and this is one of the reasons why you know this is such an interesting film to talk about is. You know, there's not many people, and, and I'm going to be, I'm going to say this in, in the most um, uh, supportive and positive way I can. Not many people can have this much of a trash catalog that they're <laughs> part of and be the size of what The Rock is. You know, it was really about quantity over quality, like being as, in as much stuff as humanly possible. Yeah. And it, I remember the, 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 when that news came out of, you know, The Rock being, was it like the best paid actor of that year or, or, or something like that? And I remember just going, fuck, seriously? Like, oh, yeah. And then you just look at this out of nowhere. Like, this guy's just been working this career that, you, that as you said, Nate, you know, this podcast series could go on for the rest of eternity because he makes like 50 projects a day. And it's an, it's an incredible, you know, and I think that's the part where, you know, so much of his charisma, I think, in the later films and, and, and particularly, you know, around this time, it starts to kind of come out that, you know, really for him, you know, he's so charismatic and has such an incredible uh, timing, great comedic timing as well, that, you know, I think it was just building up to what eventually he becomes, which is just this very reliable, very kind of monetizable um, brand that you can attach to nearly anything you know, and make it into something significant. So that's, I think, what's so great about it, that The Rock is you don't have to like his films or, or you know, his acting ability. You know, you've just got to have a massive amount of respect for this guy that's just worked so damn hard to be in, you know, a lot of, of stuff all of the time. It's a pretty incredible uh, career he's had. Yeah, I think that's part of the formula, guys, that, that makes The Rock what he is. You know, you've got the likability, you've got the charisma, You've got, obviously, you know, the dude looks like a million bucks. He's a hard worker. He's humble. You know, he's somebody that respects the business of Hollywood. You know, he's not one of these guys that is just there to cash a check. And I think the other thing, it's something that I touched on with Jennifer Smith in our last episode, is The Rock is somebody that everybody can claim because of 
the way he looks aesthetically. And, you know, he's biracial. And, you know, a black guy in Atlanta can have The Rock as their favorite actor. And a white guy in Liverpool can look at The Rock and say, <laughs> I identify with that dude. Like, he's this global figure. that, I, And I think that's part of the reason why he's so successful. I would say as well, that- it's... It was essential for him to do all the movies he did and do the mm. shit films because this is a guy who obviously there's a kind of acting element within wrestling, but he's had no formal training as an actor, which most of the people you see have trained as an actor. And his training was just in front of us all in these shitty films. And, you know, <laughs> like practice makes perfect. And now he's got to a stage where he's a, a megastar and can actually be pretty damn good when he when he needs to be. But he couldn't just hop right into, like, if he did, say, ballers straight away, he wouldn't have yeah. the depth in his character as he, he would do now. Um, and it was essential for him to do Scorpion King, fucking Race to Witch Mountain, all these kind of <laughs> things to get to this stage. That's that's a great gig, though, man. Like, you're paying me a million dollars to practice on this uh, <laughs> garbage-like Doom? I, I, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but let, let's let's uh, go back in time a little bit, fellas, before we get into this task. And 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 I think maybe the listeners can tell by the the, the tone of my voice. And I keep putting off getting into the actual review. My <laughs> thoughts on Race to Witch Mountain. But let's go to the time war. And this is where we take a look at what's going on in the culture uh, around the time of this film's release, particularly when we talk about music. Because I think. You know, it, it kind of ties us into the zeitgeist of the time. And so Race to Witch Mountain premiered on March 13th, 2009. And since I knew I would have uh, two uh, wonderful British gentlemen in the theater with me this week, I decided to look at the UK singles chart. So do you guys know what the number one song on the UK singles chart was that week? Man, this was... Uh, I was first... And here's a hint, here's the hint. Here. The song... The song samples a hit from an 80s British band. So if, if that gives you any insight. Jesus. Dude, you know, what's, you know what's awful? In 2009, just before uh, this was uh, the, the kind of the second part of my career, I was actually working for uh, Disney Music. <laughs> so I used to work for the... the late, so I used to work for in the music industry at the time that you're talking. <laughs> And 10 years, I feel, of being in the film and music industry, uh, I can only say has, has damaged my uh, memory to such a level that I, <laughs> that I simply, you're going to say it, I'm going to go, fuck, of course it's that song. But <laughs> so the only thing I, I would say is just because I was so Disneyfied at this time, it, I'm thinking Miley Cyrus or the Jonas Brothers, mm. or Demi Lovato or someone like that, but I could be way off. I feel it's a bit too early for, like, they're huge. I don't know. I know Rihanna was huge around then. I still is. Um, but I'm trying to think of the band. C- can you can you say what band it was from the 80s? Or would that just give it away? That, that, that would give it away. Ah. That would give it away. <laughs> I've... Man. Gee, I've, I've no idea. Samples of song <laughs> from the 80s. All right. So, and, and you, you guys are going to kick yourself because not oh, only man. did this song sample a, a British hit from the 80s, but... It also features the man I affectionately like to call Mr. WrestleMania. No, not Shawn Michaels. No, not The Undertaker. Flo Rider. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. 
Flowrider and Kesha, right Oh, track. God. <laughs> oh, no. God, please, no. I remember this song. It's hell. Yes, yeah. obviously, you're getting the uh, sample from uh, Dead or Alive, spinning yeah. around like a record. So, yeah, oh, this damn, is yeah. this is like the, the beginning. This is like the, the birth, the origin of the man that it would eventually go on to piss off millions of wrestling fans with green light. Dude, that guy has had, like, you know, you talk about The Rock's career. Look at Flo Rida's career. You know, look at this guy that's just gone, I have very little respect or... <laughs> or interest in making anything, I'm just going to make these kind of songs. I remember at that WrestleMania, the, the big Dallas WrestleMania, I was out of yep. that, and he did the song that year. Which one was that one? Um, that was, was that Green Light or was that Welcome to My House? That was Welcome to My, that was it, Welcome to My, Welcome to, that, that, that song was just everywhere, just killing me. I know John talks a lot on the, po on the podcast about like earworms around that time. And that, God, that song was everywhere. So yep. yeah, as soon as you said that, that's just released that memory back into my brain. I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, like I, I know, like the fans give Flo Rida a lot of crap, and and a lot of it is justified. But that Greenlight song was was, was a bop day before <laughs> at least that year. We, we do play it a bunch at the BDE. I, I'm still holding out hope for a Flo Rida versus Pitbull versus Fred Durst in a WrestleMania mm. triple threat. I mean, they're oh, just man. they're just the pillars of WrestleMania songs, right? And yeah. Kid Rock can be the special oh, guest referee. Well, yeah. I, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are we just saying that it's going to be the American Badass Undertaker? The rumors are going to start once again <laughs> that he's coming back again this WrestleMania. <laughs> oh, and finally, fellas, before we get to the film, we got to talk money. So this mm -hmm. film had a budget of $50 million. Do you know the worldwide box office? I'm going to have a guess. I feel like I'm a lot more well-informed <laughs> as I was working for the Disney company at this point. So, Davey, I'm, I'm going to uh, throw it to you first. Oh, geez. I've... Oh, God. I'm useless at this kind of thing. I don't know what's good, what's bad. I'd say it did... Like, I'd never even heard of this film before, uh, before <laughs> Nate messaged me. So I'm going to assume not very well. So you said the budget was 50, 50 mil? Yeah, budget was 50. 50. Um... I'd say it didn't make much. I'd say, what, 60? <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. Davey's going with 60. Uh, Daniel, since we know you got residuals from this film, <laughs> what, what, what's your guess? It's all in the back end. Um, no, it, the, the, it, it, it was incredible looking back, 2009. So, you know, when you think of the, you know, the Walt Disney Company now and you think of Marvel and you think of Lucasfilm and you mm -hmm. think of, you know, the, this, this money-making machine that is Disney now, you know, it, they are just ginormous beyond belief and you look 10 years ago this is pre-marvel pre-star wars pre-everything and their release slate is insane of <laughs> how how much awful there was and i worked on these films and i don't work there anymore so i'm really happy to share this it feels like a you know a, a session i can get this off my chest but there was g-force do you remember this with the guinea pigs oh yeah yeah <laughs> there was there was the hannah montana movie mm. there was um, Christmas Carol. There was Old Dogs with John Travolta and Robin Williams. There was there were all the Santa buddies <laughs> and all the it like it was trash. It was a trash. You know, you look at the slate they've got in 2019 or 2020. So this is why that I'm thinking I know the 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 budget uh, the the 
um, budget question and the uh, uh, revenue kind of question. I think it may double, and I mm. think it, it did at least a hundred. And I remember just thinking there was something at the time where, and everyone, uh, particularly in in the kind of UK office, was so worried about this film. Like, oh my god, nobody's going to watch this film. Like, it, it's just lost in the middle of a lot of other things. And I remember at the time someone being really surprised it made double its money. So I'm going to go with a hundred grand. But I'm probably way off. Actually, you are pretty close. This movie had a budget of $50 million, and worldwide, Race to Witch Mountain made $107 million. Ah. The millions! So this was this was a bit of a surprise hit, like a, a minor hit for the company. Very much so, yeah. I think that 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 time, I think that was one of the big surprises because I know that off the back of this, there was conversations, and you guys are going to love hearing this, but there were conversations of making a sequel, just purely based on those numbers, and and which just makes you shake your head. That, oh, please no! Um, and it was rumored for a while that they were going to do it, but then I think they bought Marvel and were like, "Fucking God, no, yeah. absolutely not." So, like they, they definitely put the hook in at the end of the movie for a sequel that fortunately has never come to pass. <laughs> Wait, they've got Disney Plus. They need to fill hours. The rock <laughs> oh, man, maybe they, we'll get a series. <laughs> <laughs> they'll sneak him. They'll, they're filming that new film with him. They're going to sneak him through a door, and next thing you know, he's already in the film. They're already filming it there. <laughs> we'll, get a, we'll get a Jack Bruno prequel series. Jack Bruno. That guy. When he used to drive, drive getaway cars for the mob. <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's let's get down to business fellas let's talk about race to witch mountain the 2009 film starring Dwayne the rock johnson starring anna sophia robb alexander ludwig and uh carla gugino uh let's see it was directed by andy fickman uh this is the second collaboration with rock and andy fickman because they also worked together on the game plan uh, which was another disney joint uh, and normally this is the part of the movie where I will break down a quick plot summary, but I watched the movie last night. And the only thing I can tell you fellas is rock is a former mob getaway driver. Who's now driving a taxi cab. These two alien kids show up and they keep calling him by his full name. We got the, the hot, <laughs> hot mom from spy kids and we've got like metal armored robots. So Daniel, I'm going to lean on your expertise. Can you give the postmarks a brief summary of what the hell this picture's about? Absolutely. Now I'm going to get back to my marketing days at Disney. Uh, I had to pitch <laughs> this film. You had to imagine, you know, part, part of my kind of job is uh, I work in kind of the digital side of the business. So I work with people like Apple and Amazon and, and people like that. And it's kind of my role to go and pitch these films to them to be like, hey, this is this. Check it out. Can we do something? Wouldn't it be good uh, on your platform? Uh, so, you know, you really have to kind of suck it up when you when you you have a film like this because you're like, oh, man, oh, where do I go? Do you just go in and say, you know what kind of film this is? I know what kind of film this is. Let's just let's just move on. So it's it's it, <laughs> you've pretty much nailed the main plot points of this film. Uh, you know, it's a it just starts to become um a little bit like WWE writing, like mm. uh, no reason to be, but uh, strangely complex. 
you know, things that you just go, so wait a minute, why are they looking for this thing and, and why, what? So it just becomes quite, uh, uh, um, for, for what it should be a very simple film. But yes, you've nailed it. Alien kids land on Earth. Um, uh, <laughs> their children, obviously, they're, they're children as they would be. Um, the, the, the crazy thing that they have is the ability to, um, you know, pass through objects one of them does one of them's telepathic but can control like electrical things but what they can't do is speak normally so <laughs> they, they they're that advanced to be able to work out these kind of fifth you know level general weird amazing things but in order to kind of talk like a robot or talk like someone who's never spoken language before is is the most one of the most bizarre things watching back this film that you're going surely they just know that people don't talk like that and it's just one quick brain internet search and you find it out um and as she said i, it's, I, I it's, don't know what you're talking about daniel perry don't you agree david <laughs> portman <laughs> they, they keep calling this man especially in the like the first third of the movie they I, keep calling I, this guy by his full name the entire time. But look, if your I've name was written... Jack Bruno, wouldn't you want to be called Jack Bruno all the time? That's like one of the greatest <laughs> names ever. That's, that's for fair. Sure. That's, that's going to be up there for The Rock's names in movies, surely. It's one of those things that's just like, if, uh, you know, I need a fucking man's name. Like, <laughs> I need a name that someone's going to hear, that no one's going to question the masculinity of that role. You know, you, you hear these things about, you know, uh, uh, you know, the rock not having to get so many punches in and all these mm. things that go on, but it's like, you know, that is such a manly name. And, and I'm just looking at kind of a couple of notes that I've written. And you mentioned about his name. I've written so many times. Why are they calling him by his name? They keep calling him by his full name. Why did they keep, and I've written it so many times. And it's like, <laughs> it, I find it, it when you notice it, and then from then on, all you can hear is this full yep. name and just waiting for it every time. It's like, uh, I don't know if you two ever saw the Boondocks animated show. Yeah, I've seen bits of it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. like the, the character Cat Williams plays, a pimp named Slickback. You have to say the whole thing every time. Yes, sir. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, Slickback, no, it's a pimp named Slickback. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the plot. No, we didn't actually finish the plot. We got kind of in... Do you, do you know what was crazy? So, you know, you mentioned aliens come, kids as aliens, they get in the back of this taxi with the rock, who's a taxi driver, and they say, here is 15 billion pounds. I, I can't remember the, the amount. Uh, can you drive us to a place? Now, I was watching this film and watching kind of the, 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 this whole thing take place, and you get to the, that first big action sequence on the road, which is the mm. cars and all of that. And I was like, look to the time of the film, and it was like seven minutes in. Like this, yeah. this film is not fucking around. This film was just like, just I was going, whoa! They like that, you know. Most films nowadays, you have to wait half an hour, forty minutes. They just were going crazy, and then from then on, I can't really tell you what happened. Uh, there was an alien convention, of course, <laughs> in in the middle of Vegas, and stuff happened. Yeah, and, and I think I should mention, uh, before we get too deep into the film, this was a remake of the 1975 Disney movie Escape to Witch Mountain, which I have very, very thin memories of. Like, I probably saw it once or twice, maybe, as a kid, just, you know, either on, on cable or somebody just putting in a VHS tape. Uh, had either of you two seen the 1975 movie? No, I have not. 
Not at all. I, I, I knew of it only as a, as a reference point in a presentation somewhere that just said, <laughs> this was made, and I'm like, yeah, whatever, fine. It's a, that's the weird thing to me. It's like, who is this movie for? Yeah. <laughs> is it for kids? I don't know. Is it for fans of The Rock? Not really. Is it for fans of the original 1975 movie? I guess. I, I think you could say that about pretty much every rock film. Like, <laughs> who is this for? And there's just an audience that's kind of just everybody, and it just makes love some money because, yeah, it, it, it's a really odd film, very odd film. So let's let's start negative. Normally, I like to start with the positive uh, feeling and 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 look at the glass half full, but let, let's start negatively here, Davey, and let's start with some of the dislikes because for me, and I hate to say this because obviously I love. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I think he's a national, no, he's an international treasure. And there's a reason we're doing a show about this man. But I think this film did almost the, the impossible, and they found a way to stifle a lot of The Rock's charisma. And that's one of the things I didn't like about this movie. Yeah, he's he's not someone you really want to see playing the disgruntled uh, character. Like, it's... As we say, like his thing is his charm and his charisma, and for most of this film, he's just like, "Ugh, got these fucking kids in the car, my life shit." <laughs> um, it, you're right; it completely. Like, it should be Bruce Willis. This is a Bruce Willis Absolutely. role. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I found negatives for me. I it said 2009, and I just thought the effects just look kind mm. of shitty in this for for 2009, where I feel film was pretty advanced then and it looked more like a made for tv movie to me when you consider what they were doing with like iron man which the year before i think like yeah it's crazy to think it's same studio and it did just feel very budget to me what about you daniel i i have nothing negative to say about (laughs) (laughs) what is wrong with you people no do you know what? If I hadn't rewatched the film, this entire thing would be a completely different conversation because I'd be going, "No, guys, you need to see it this way." But um, it, it was—it's quite crazy. Like, I think it's quite hard. Like, the thing I think I find, and I'm, I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but I think with just having to be so analytical of, of wrestling and wrestling storylines and what mm. makes sense because it's thrown in our faces all of the time. I find I watch film and TV differently. I don't know if you find that. Like, you, you pull, because you spend so much time doing, like, ah, oh, they should have made that character do that, or they should. You look at films so differently. And and this, I was I was just <laughs> pulling apart every second going, so if, they, if she can control brains and electricity and he can move through walls, why is he protecting them? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm thinking things like, I should just switch my brain off like you do on Raw and just watch this thing happen. But it's kind of it's it's such a, um, a as you said a bad use of him. Like there's glimmers of this charismatic badass guy, but most of the time it's just him driving and sat down in the car. <laughs> like it's like this guy looks a million dollars and he's like awesome and cool and it's kind of again it's like scripting the rock and basically quashing everything that. The whole point of having him in the film is to is to do something else. I, I think part of the issue for me, guys, is that, and I, I'm, I said this when I uh, made the feedback post on the uh, post wrestling forum. Like, it's a movie that 
doesn't really know what it is. Like it's a sci-fi flick. It's a fantasy thriller. It's an all ages action flick. It's a Dwayne the Rock Johnson vehicle, but it doesn't really do any of those things, especially well. Like it, it gets a C on pretty much all of those things that it's trying to accomplish. Sci-fi is so hard. Like that's the other problem is, Mm. you know, even to the point of like, um, you know, you you have to have certain uh, switch off of the brain and just go, okay, so this is this reality that these people all kind of sit in. But it's like you do have to kind of keep stick to the rules a little bit. And I think that's the problem you have with a film like this is it can either start to get really complex like sci-fi, you know, can do and in some senses should do. But you also go, oh, shit, it's a it's a mainstream, you know, everybody must understand these parts. So you've got elements where it's like, you know, uh, the, the the guys who are doing the, the the government guys who are looking with all of their incredible technology. And it's like, give me that number plate from that guy. Like he could lock on a camera in any place on the planet kind of technology. But then the next part, they're talking of, of, of reoxygenating their planet with a, yeah. a rock or something. And you're kind <laughs> of like, what the fuck is this film about? So <laughs> I think that that's the problem I, I think it has is that, you know, it, it, it takes, you know, you on a journey for like 10 or 15 minutes and you go, oh, I see. So it's this kind of film. Great. Yeah. And then it's like, no, it's this film now. It's Russo. It's Russo rewriting. <laughs> it's like he's just on the fly rewriting every part of it every kind of two minutes listen bro what we're gonna do we're gonna take these kids to witch mountain but there's no witches in the movie bro there's there's no witches there's no racing but it's gonna be great bro ufo and a pole match that's exactly what we're i think another thing and i'm glad that you brought up the government agency the, the these men in black who are who are neither will smith nor tommy lee jones but I it is think... the king beyond the wall leading it yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where that guy's from. Yeah, it's Max yeah. Raider. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I think, though, like, and maybe you could speak to this too, Davey, like, the movie, it's, I mean, it's a professionally made movie, but it just wasn't fun. I think a movie like this either has to be super sci-fi thriller or it has to be something fun, like the Men in Black films, and yeah. I don't think there was enough fun and charm in this movie. I mean, you know, they did make a sequel for this film, like, last year, and it's called Stuba, and it's way better <laughs> uh, also starring a former world champion yep. um but yeah the the humor like this should have been way more funny than it is like it's the rock driving aliens away from secret agents like mm-hmm. that should be a lot of fun but it does get too like bogged down into like fuck, the the politics of this planet they're from and this these government yeah, halfway through it turns into like captain planet where we're trying to save the environment yeah um and it's it just needed to be simpler. I think they needed to just go with kind of one threat against them mm. rather than sort of uh, predator RoboCop and these like. <laughs> there, there's just so much going on like after them, and it's only a what ninety minute, hundred minute film. Like yep. just just streamline it more and just insert way more comedy. I think for this to work because as I said, it, it just it, it was wasting the rock. And I think that that part of just having the ability, you know, when you think of of the the general plot points of this film, and it's so funny that they go to that, you know, alien UFO convention, which looks a lot more fun than the rest of this film, (laughs) that that it's like it, 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 it has the ability to maybe just take 
the piss out of itself a little, mock itself a little bit more, be a little bit more self-aware. Like that bit, there's a part towards the end where, uh, uh, and I, I don't know which order you want to go, Nate, but like towards the end that, you know, the rock uh, and uh, uh, the doctor, um, she, they're in those white suits and mm. they're walking into some really over-the-top, over-dramatic music. And I was like, oh, I know what he's going to do. He's going to like, you know, rock bottom or, you know, something or trip, <laughs> you know, it, it was setting up so well, like, oh, yeah, obviously they won't go that cheesy with that. And they just went for it. And you're like, dude, just have some fun with it. Like, I think the ability to, which is, I think, one of the things that Rock does really well now in his later career is, you know, a lot of his films have really good comedic moments that allow yeah. him to just come out more and this is just like doesn't play to his strengths whatsoever and also how tiny does he look am i was that just me he looks so small <laughs> yeah i mean when, like, you, when you compare it to like the superhuman physique of fast and furious rock like it's night and day he, he had like a peanut head it's crazy <laughs> it was so small <laughs> and, and you know what guys i I want to get positive, but I feel like we need to take a break real quick and 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 refocus, recenter ourselves. And and you know, when when the world starts to get me down, when 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 the the entertainment which should be providing enjoyment gets me down, I feel like there's only one person on the planet that I can turn to, and it's Sting, the 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 jewel of a human being that he is. And, and so, uh, I think we we just need to take a time out real quick and 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 refocus, recenter. And spend a moment with that man called Sting. All right, so there, there we go, fellas. Now, I, you know, anytime I, we, we can hear from Sting, I feel like it's it's something that can bring positivity into our lives. So I think now I'm ready to talk about what I actually liked about this movie. And I'm going to start with the kids. I think they did a pretty good job, uh, you know, and child actors are always kind of a precocious thing, Daniel. Like, sometimes they can be too cute. Sometimes they're not cute enough. I think the kids, outside of, you know, the funny way they scripted them to talk, the kids did a pretty good job with this. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think anyone, when you're having to pretty much carry the film, you know, it, it, they're really the two main stars through this yeah. in regards to what they're doing. And, and yeah, they do. Yeah. I mean, they do have bizarre understandings of a door is not a portal, but I do understand what a yellow taxi is that it could transport me somewhere. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's just put that to one side. But no, they were great. You know, I think it, it, it's one of those things where, um, you could tell they have a lot of good, you know, really good talent at such a young age. And I think mm. the the actress, she was in, I think, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory film, I think. I was, I was trying to remember where I recognized her from. But, you know, really good actress, really good actor. But it's like their direction was just bad. You know, their kind of, the story was kind of bad, which kind of did it. But I think they played it really well. I mean, it's like, it, you know, it wasn't like... Um, something that kind of, uh, you know, uh, made the film any worse than it was. But um, I'd say, yeah, no, I think they were really, uh, really impressive for, you know, for what they had to do in this film. 
Yeah, I, I had no idea who these kids were. Like, I, I obviously I think they're like they're listeners out there who know these actors and and they're screaming at their listening device that you know this this person was in this movie and then this girl she was in that movie. Uh, I had no idea who these kids were. This was like the first time I think I've seen them, and I thought they did a pretty good job holding up. Like you said, Daniel, like the heavy lifting of of making these characters work. Uh, so that for me, Davey, that that probably was one of the most positive things I think about this movie. Yeah, I thought they were good. Um, I believe the 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 guy has gone on to do quite well. He's in Vikings. Like I saw a picture of him now, and he's all oh, okay. huge and jacked up. And he was in the Hunger Games, uh, one of those. Um, but yeah, I thought they were good. I I'd have liked a bit more, like because at the end when they hug the rock, I'd have liked more of a kind of them sort of melting and becoming a bit more human-like before then it was not not physically melting but do you know what i mean <laughs> that, that would have been a, a russo plot no, look bro we're gonna have I'm, this hug but instead of feeling see, love they're gonna melt i want to see them i want to see them melt i want to see their physical being <laughs> melt into a, like a bloody skin horrible rank mess on the floor that's that i'm sign me up for a sequel do it right now. <laughs> who, who gave M. Night Shyamalan the book at the last minute? <laughs> Cronenberg. Cronenberg does uh, Race to Witch Mountain. I'm, I'm yeah. all for that. <laughs> uh, what, what else did you like about this, Davey, if, if anything? Um, well, I was looking. I, re- I quite enjoyed the, uh, the scene in the um, country dancing bar. I was mm. just watching uh-huh. it, and I... I turned to my girlfriend and was like, hey, we need to go country dancing soon. This looks fun. Um, and apparently I then I then looked up uh, the actors and the the sheriff and I think her name was Tina, the waitress. They were actually the kids in the original Witch Mountain film. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. So I thought that I always like little touches like that when you get um, callbacks to the original. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um yeah, yeah, uh, Kim Kim Richards and Ike Eisenman, who played Tia and Tony in the original Witch Mountain movie, uh, had the cameo. Yep. Uh, uh, on the on the waitress, the server. Just sorry to interrupt you, David. Um, Nate, I don't know much about kind of American diners and and kind of how they work in in all areas of, of the U.S. Is it normal for a server to come up to your kids and say that they're not clean and they're going to take <laughs> them away and go and clean them? Because <laughs> I know what the fuck was going on there because I was watching that going. When, how is that allowed? And uh, I, I like, mean, yeah, sure. Two thousand nine was a much different time in America. <laughs> you know, it was a time where you could take minors into a bar and, and have a strange waitress clean them up. You know, it it it, it was a much freer time, a much different it was world. Also, crazy, I, a weird plot point. I don't know if it was just the quality that I watched it on because um, I may or may not have purchased this movie. Um, but they they didn't even look too dirty to me. No, <laughs> they look kind of fine, and I'd be like, like, "Fuck you! What do you mean I look uh, like shit? <laughs> like, leave me alone! <laughs> Bring me my milkshake! I don't clean me! I can clean myself! <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, I, I no, just stranger danger! Get away!" <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, Daniel. Any any other positives uh, about this movie? I know you said you had. Uh, a, a glowing perception of this film before you rewatched it. Uh, what, what were the positives that remained after the second watch? I think, I think what it was is that when I stopped kind of, again, I, I went into raw mode uh, in the sense that I just went, you know what? I'm just going to switch my brain up and try, stop trying to figure things out and just 
just visually taking this absolute, uh, you know, monstrosity of, of action <laughs> madness at times. And, and and I think once I kind of do that, and I think one of the things that I should say, like, so, so in my kind of current role, a lot of the films that we work on are like cult films. So mm. cult films that have like, you know, that are, are like 80s kind of like, you know, kind of slasher films or comedy films that really have a cult following. And I think you kind of uh, uh, um, tweak your brain a little bit to appreciate films differently when you see these things. So, for example, the dialogue, the dialogue in this film is awesome. Like, it is just, it's so cliched and, and over the top <laughs> that you've just got things like, they're not children. They're not even human. And it's like, awesome. <laughs> like, it's just, just great. Like, you know, you've got a death wish. Just just straight up kind of like, you know, uh, 80s style action dialogue. And I think yeah. the kind of trashy film lover in me really just loved that that approach to just being kind of like, fuck it, let's just do it. You know, just make it, everything a bit kind of uh, uh, kind of crazy and over the top. And, and the other thing that I, I really loved was um, uh, was the, the, the baddie. <laughs> I think I like Davies' uh, Predator Robocop was, was, was a good analogy. I was going to say The Giver. Do you guys remember The Giver? It was a Mark Hamill film where he's like some <laughs> some kind of alien robot type thing. It's the same thing. Like, I love this thing. This thing was, it made no sense it being there. It, I, like, I, I was just going, this guy's just going to kill everybody and it's great. And I, he just pops up every so often and just shoots a bit. And then, and then it just dish disappears again. It's, it, it, was, it, it just got to a point where certain elements of this became so insane. That if I would have presented this film and said, oh, this film is from 1995, we would all be talking about how great it is because it's so crazy. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's quite sure, a, yeah. an odd thing to say of a film 10 years ago, but this could easily be a future cult classic. You know, it can it, because it's so bizarre and doesn't quite know what genre it is. Um, yeah, I think that part of me quite liked it by the end that I just switched off the sense and, and just enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, I wish they would have leaned more into that, especially, you know, one of the other things I liked was just the randomness of this cast, uh, you know, starting <laughs> with The Rock. Like, this is not a rock role, I don't think, on paper. Uh, but also, we we saw uh, Cheech Marin for some damn reason. Cheech and, is great. And uh, the late, great Gary Marshall was in this film. So yeah. I, I like just kind of the random people that they had in this movie. It was great. It was, yeah, it was great. Anytime Cheech can get a can get a check, that 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 moves a movie up a notch in my book. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he needs the cash. I'm sure he yeah. does. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you guys a question because this is something we do from time to time here on the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, where we say, would a movie be better, worse, or the same with a different actor in the Rock's role? And normally, my go-to is kind of Vin Diesel uh, for obvious reasons. <laughs> But I'm going to, you know, tailor this to my, my Englishman here. And let's say, uh, instead of The Rock, if we made this movie beat for beat, everything is the same, but the only difference is I take Dwayne The Rock Johnson out of the role of Jack Bruno, and instead I cast Idris Elba. Is this movie better, worse, or the same? Better. Straight up. And, and, and Idris Elba in this film is awesome. I thought you were going to say Jason Statham. And I'd also Ooh. go and watch that. Yes, yeah, Stacey Elba would be a good choice too. <laughs> it's just Elba, absolutely. That'd be amazing. I was going to suggest British comedian Jack D 
I think would be great in this role. Just like moany, negative, pissed off taxi driver who has these kids from Mars or wherever come down. Um, Idris Elba, I, I don't know. I feel, I don't know what more he would do with like mm. the dialogue given. He's a fantastic actor, probably would suit this part more. Um, I think the film would be much the same. I think Ed Elba's obviously a better actor, uh, particularly at that time, mm. uh, than The Rock. Uh, but I think he would elevate it a little bit. I do like the idea uh, that Daniel went with the Jason Statham. Because I think, yeah, this is a role where you need, like, a grizzled old dude who has some charm, like Bruce Willis. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe like a Sly Stallone. Uh, but, yeah, I think Jason Statham would, would have made this movie much better. And, and just have something where they've got to, like, you know stab him 50 times in order for him to live like most of his films seem to have something in it like crank and high volt and all of those so just have some random character defect that he needs to uh needs to have i uh, see i love that you brought up crank because what if in a parallel universe this is not some random disney remake but this is a side sequel to crank and instead of jack bruno we got Chev chelios driving these kids around this you're, you're you're now making me want to watch this film like, <laughs> because because now i've got not just i i'm going with a with a cast of idris elba the rock and jason statham all playing the rock and the two alien kids and, <laughs> and it and it's a side move over to into the crank universe like mm. before the mcu like uh, sign me up and I'm, I, I don't know what we can do. Can we get like a like a like some sort of Twitter movement going in order for Dwayne to make this film? Because I'm <laughs> I'm totally in. Sign me up. Uh, you're welcome, Andy Fickman. We just fixed your movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else before we get to our uh, rating of this motion picture, fellas? The, the only I wanted to mention the UFO convention, right? So, mm. you know, I, I, I'm sure these. Things take place, and I'm sure they take place all over the, the, the wonderful United States. Um, but the one thing that pops up, and it was a really weird thing that happened, that it seemed that they kind of focused on certain, like, it, what I can only imagine is like UFO celebrities at this event. I don't know if you guys saw that, where it was like, it, it seemed like they were cameos of people within the kind of UFO world. So are they like the Virgils? Of kind of like the the UFO uh, kind of space right. convention. I, I, I'll space. take it up a notch even further. I think they were like the Conrad Thompson. Oh, okay. the now UFO. Like they they've got a UFO star cast that they bring to these conventions every year. And it, and it seems that that it's it's a convention for the bizarre. Uh, uh, you know, no one's interested in aliens really being real. They're interested in them being fake so it's it's a really fascinating uh, um kind of conference that they're at and i really do hope next time i'm in america um i can go to one of these because it sounds fantastic which which is why like I, I love the end of the movie where we've got bruno and uh the doctor and they're now selling this book uh <laughs> the race to witch mountain book at the ufo convention so it, it all comes full circle davy yeah, what I noticed there as well was pretty much everyone was in Star Wars costumes. I didn't notice much else than Star Wars. And this was before Disney made the purchase. So, Absolutely. like, afterwards, it'd be is... let. Yeah, deck that place out with Star Wars. But for 2009, just before they've made that buy, I don't know. How much money were they giving to LucasArts then? 
this was the, this was the pitch. This was the pitch <laughs> to, to the Lucas executives. They 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 brought them into Burbank. They did this incredible screening. Race to which man? They were like, guys, we've got the the film that is going to pitch to you of why we need to take the Star Wars films from you. You're going to love this. It's Race to Witch Mountain. Here we go. And and they and I'm sure walked out. And that's probably why that deal didn't happen for another three years. <laughs> uh, I think they were like, please never show us anything like that again. Oh man, that, that's another way this movie could have been better is if we had you and McGregor as the as the lead bad guy. Oh, it's man, over, Jack Reno. I have the high ground. <laughs> that was that was terrible. That was my terrible you and McGregor accent. And and also. Uh, the, one of the things that happened for three quarters of this film, and this probably is going back, Nate, to your, your days of, uh, of Keep It 2000. Um, I was trying to keep an eye on how many bumps The Rock took through this film. And, <laughs> the Rock and, and, bump and, challenge? Yeah, that was it. And I was just in there thinking, man, he's got it nailed like Hogan does on, on a good two-hour nitro. And, and halfway through the film, it's nothing. And then the end fight sequence is when he starts taking the bat bumps uh, up to that point. Nothing, nothing whatsoever. He did I mean, hit he's, he's two a smart spears, though. <laughs> Which was never he in did, his he repertoire. Did, yeah, yeah he, he, well, he's a smart worker, though, Davey. You know, yeah. he's not gonna, he's not gonna get gassed in the first half of the picture. There's <laughs> a lot of, a lot of chin locks in the middle of the movie for some reason. There was, yeah, yeah. They, it was. They took the commercial break, I think, at that point. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, I wondered. I wondered why that 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 guy uh, with the the crown came out, um, uh, you know, to kind of lock on that that good chin lock for way. Um, <laughs> that that felt like a good extra two hours they added in the middle there, pointlessly. Yeah. All right, guys, it is time to to deliberate and give a score to this film, 2009's Race to Witch Mountain. And here on the Rocky Mountain Picture Show. We have a patented rating system on a scale of one to five. If a movie is great, if a movie is flawless and The Rock is flawless in it, that is a five out of five. We just went one-on-one with the great one. If a movie is really good, uh, but there's some flaws here or there that keep it from being a perfect film, that's a four out of five. That is the people's champ. If a movie is fine, if it's neither good nor bad, and The Rock is, is strong in it, you know, that's a three out of five. That is a know your role. If a movie is bad, but not terrible, if a movie is bad, but The Rock is good in it, that's a two out of five. That's a jabroni joint. And if a movie is a one out of five, if a movie is garbage, if a movie is doomed, that is a one out of five. That gentleman is a rock bottom. So on a scale of one to five, Davey, you can go first. What would you give Race to Witch Mountain? I would give this a two. Like, it's it's not a good movie, but I wasn't, like, checking my watch the whole time while I watch it, was watching it, and that's that's a big thing for me. If a fil- film feels long, it's bad. Um, if it can breeze by, which I, I felt this did, um, and I'm not bored, I enjoyed it. Is it a piece of art? Like, no. Um, the Rock was fine in it. Everyone was fine in it. It's just not a particularly great movie, but I had fun watching it for an hour and a half. So I'd give it a two. Okay, two out of five at Jabroni. I also, I think what the postmarks really want to know, Davey, uh, particularly uh, the postmarks that, that might have a special someone in their lives, is, is this a good date night movie? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, my girlfriend enjoyed it. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think we, we finished it and both kind of scratched our heads and were like, huh. But um, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's particularly a date movie. <laughs> it's better than Revolutionary Road that I went on a date with once. That was a terrible date movie. Oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Davey gives it a two out of five, a jabroni joint. Daniel, I'm expecting, uh, given our previous conversations, you, you might go a little bit higher. The question is, how, how much higher will you go? What, what do you give this movie on a scale of one to five? Before I, I rewatched it, it would have been a four. <laughs> just memories of, of, a, of a wonderful time working for the house of mouse um and then when i watched it it kind of went down to like a two <laughs> but then but then i'm fairly sure they killed that train driver oh and yeah we didn't mention that sorry right yes. yep there's no there's no way that guy survived like he was annihilated <laughs> that that's it, that dude it just exploded like and they're like yeah he's fine he's not fine he's definitely just utterly destroyed and and their complete disregard for human life uh of the the heroes of this film uh made me bring it up to a three okay so a three out of five uh know your role uh yeah we we, we didn't talk about the, the the uh train scene but we also I failed to mention, and it's my fault as, as the host, that at the end of the movie, as part of the sequel hook, not only do we get uh, the uh, device activating, but we also have uh, the rock receiving the uh, the powers from the alien. Yeah, so what were they? What were the powers? I think she, she gave him his te uh, her telepathic powers. So he can read people's minds. Which... I, yeah, it, like it, it feels a little late in the film to to be <laughs> going to that route. Yeah, just do that. Do that way earlier on. That would have been crazy. <laughs> like I, I like, think that actually might have made it a better movie if we had The Rock dealing with these these powers that he didn't ask for, trying to protect what, these kids. He could do what aliens want. Yeah. Yes. It, it would have been. He could he could read the mind of aliens. It could be him off planet. It could be like a Men in Black thing. He could find out where aliens are if they're hiding. I don't see. Yeah, it seemed like they threw that in. Like they kind of she did something to his head and then got on the ship. And I was like, so what was that? And it's like it, it just became this thing of like <laughs> she's just giving him alien powers, of course, um, and and a, and a weird alien technological device as well. So um, it was uh, yeah, a wonderful ending to the film. And I think that the most impressive part at the end of that film was the fact that they, the, 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 the Rock and the Doctor, they had to stand there massively uncomfortably to film that scene for what <laughs> felt like forever. Like, you know, I can't remember which when it was recently, there was something on wrestling where someone's just waiting forever for someone, to, someone else to come down the aisle. And, it, and it's like Rock, it's like you can imagine they've got the crew... And they're slowly moving upwards and they have to be and they're just shouting smile Dwayne and it's like he's trying to crack a smile and it's like slower and this thing goes on forever it's just <laughs> the, the most uncomfortable scene of two people pretending to smile and be amazed at a, a UFO taking off um, but I, I really I'm really apt ending to the film yeah it, it's funny because again I, I feel like that whole final act was to set up a sequel that will never see the light of day unless like we said fellas rock statham and elba join forces and, and bring this masterpiece to the world so it yeah it does feel 
like a lot of stuff was just kind of thrown in at the end and for no reason. <laughs> just um, that, that, those producers desperate for a sequel. Yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe maybe I needed a post credit scene. Maybe I'm just spoiled by Marvel, and I needed a post credit scene of just Jack Bruno just waking up and looking at the, his neighbor, and then and he just like gives the neighbor a look like I know what you're thinking, <laughs> and then just zaps a laser straight through his head. <laughs> Beautiful <laughs> cut <laughs> print. <laughs> um, so we've got a two out of five and a three out of five. I got to be honest, guys. This is my first time watching this movie, and I didn't like it at all. <laughs> like, I didn't hate it. It's a rock bottom. It's a rock, yeah. I'm really worried. I'm really worried it's going to be a rock bottom. So far, I've only given out one rock bottom, and that, of course, is Doom. I've never given out a People's Champ. Excuse me. I've never given out a uh, great one. Never given out a five out of five. So most of these rock movies, the early movies, have either been a two, a three, or a four. And so, yeah, this wasn't a one because I didn't hate it. And like I said, I thought the kids did a good job kind of supporting this film. But it also wasn't something that I'm inclined to watch again. Like, not even from the point of a Disney film. Like, I looked at this, and one of the things I was thinking about while I was watching this, guys, is would this be something that I turn on and me and my nieces watch on a Saturday afternoon? And the answer is no. Not, not in a world where... We've got Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, or I can turn on Black Panther, or hell, if I want to go back to those movies in the early 2000s, we could watch Spy Kids, which is a much better family thriller type of thing. It's kind of crazy in, in this day and age, because the way I, I watched it in the UK there is that there's a, there's a, a Disney service here called Disney Life, um, mm. which is kind of the precursor to what is going to be Disney Plus in, in the US. Uh, you know, uses a lot of the same technology, you know, kind of, uh, you know, same kind of offering. So, you know, I've got it because I watch Moana, uh, Moana, another great, incredible Dwayne uh, yeah. uh, film. Um, uh, you know, I had that for my daughter. So we've just got tons of Disney films and, and everything else. So I managed to watch that on this. But it, it's kind of crazy now in this day and age that, uh, you know, this is going to be just something that just gets dumped on Disney Plus as yep. you know, volume. That they can say we've got fifteen hundred films, you know, it's it's um, it's never going to have that spotlight. You know what I mean? There's just too much other stuff now that this becomes a lot like to me what um, so many of those you know nineteen seventies um, live action Disney films were. You know, that mm. I, I only know from working at Disney. I had no idea. You know, the UK we knew hardly anything about that kind of stuff really. So I think for the modern part, you know, why would someone? 10 years removed to go to watch this film. I've, I've seen it twice. I'm the only person that's seen it twice in this <laughs> review, which is, which is, I think I, maybe I've watched it more than that, which is even worse. So, um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. This is something where I think the benefit of this movie and it's why, why I'm going to give this a two out of five. I'm going to give it a jabroni joint. Uh, and I think the reason I'm giving it a two out of five is because I do like the kids. Uh, I think that it's also an important movie for the rock because it further solidifies his relationship with Disney, which is still something that exists to this day. When you talk about Moana, when you talk about Jungle Cruise, like it's, it's still a fruitful relationship for both sides. And I don't know if we get to that if he didn't have to do things like Race to Witch Mountain. Fair point. So I'm giving it a two out of five. And let's turn to our final arbiter, the postmarks. Yes, you the people. Uh... I put this out on the forum, 
and we had the postmarks give their thoughts. 20% of the postmarks, fellas, gave this a two out of five, a jabroni joint. But the overwhelming consensus from the post-wrestling fandom, this movie, Race to Witch Mountain, gets a three out of five, a know your role. So I guess between, so. the, between the three of us and the postmarks, this is like a, a high two, maybe a low three. So it's, it's not terrible. It's not great. It's, it's a movie starring The Rock and some alien kids. <laughs> Do with that's, that information what you will. I'm, I'm sure that's what he wants on his graveyard. I starred <laughs> in a film uh, with two alien kids. <laughs> Here lies Jack Bruno. <laughs> Jack Bruno. Jack Bruno, Jack Bruno, Jack Bruno, Jack Bruno. <laughs> All right, fellas. So uh, that is Race to Witch Mountain. It was a fun review, but we're going to continue a bit of a theme here on the Rocky Mavia Picture Show because the next movie we're going to review is not involving The Rock being descended upon by some alien kids. No, it's the inverse. It's The Rock going to visit some aliens. Yes, we're talking about the 2009 animated classic, question mark, Planet 51. Astronaut Chuck Baker had all the right stuff. Traveling down now. But on a routine mission to explore a distant planet, he was prepared for anything. <laughs> Except this. I found the alien. I'm not the alien here. You are. You are. You are. What? What? Huh? 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 Hello? Hello? This Thanksgiving... If they catch me helping you, who knows what they'll do to me? Rover? Rover! Boy, am I glad to see you! Is it true you're hiding the alien? You search the house. This is obviously alien writing. It says, surrender or die. Die. The only way out of their world. There's a command module in orbit, and if I'm not on it in 74 hours, it goes back to Earth without me. Capiche? You want me to take you to your flying saucer? Look, kid, you're my only hope. Is to try to fit in. <clears throat> Let the doctor handle this. Ladies, who wants to meet an astronaut? They're gonna eat us for dinner! Aliens don't want to eat us. Aliens? Star organs and enslave us in their minds. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Be better run. On November 20th. Where's your master? Talk. There's no space. Like home. Open wide, or the big bad monster will get ya. Planet 51. What? I, I've never heard of this one either. <laughs> what? Yeah, so that is... No. Here's the thing. Here's the crazy thing about Planet 51, because I thought I'd never seen this movie before, but going back and looking at the trailers, I'm like, yes, I have totally seen this movie once or twice with my nieces 
but I never knew that was Dwayne The Rock Johnson doing the voice because it does not sound like Dwayne The Rock Johnson doing a Dwayne The Rock Johnson voice. Never heard of this film. Oh, Never so you have pictures now. It ring, doesn't ring a bell at all. So Plan 51, the animated movie starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Again, this, like you said, Davey, uh, this is about The Rock getting his reps in. And so maybe without Plan 51, we don't get Moana. So as, as Maui would say, you're welcome. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's let's uh, before we close out the theater this week, guys. Let's allow the postmarks to find out a little bit about my two guests. Uh, Daniel, we'll start with you, brother, because I, I think that you added a lot to the proceedings this week. So, if you want to shout out your social media or any projects you got coming up, uh, let the people know uh, where they can find you and uh, you know follow what you're doing. Uh, so, I mean, I, I just basically retweet lots of wrestling memes and uh, uh, funny stuff and cute animals. Uh, but you can follow me on Twitter. I'm uh, D-A-N-J-A-Y-M-Z-P-E-R-R-Y. That's Dan James Perry. It's a horrible, horrible name that I picked many years ago that I really wish I hadn't, but it's there. So, uh, yeah, Dan James Perry on Twitter. Um, I just, uh, yeah, follow me there. And um, you can kind of sometimes check out random projects that I get up to uh, that no one is interested in. <laughs> very cool sir very cool and davy portman yeah obviously can... you are no stranger hold on, let, me, <laughs> let, me, let me let me hype you up sir this, this sure. is the art of the plug davy portman you are no stranger to the postmarks uh, of course you're one half of the infamous bde as i mentioned off the top and you guys have also recently launched a patreon so let the good people know how they can follow you where they can find you on social media and how they can support you and brother Braden. Yeah, we have indeed. So uh, we do Up Next every Wednesday night. Uh, just follow Up Next on wherever you find your podcasts, uh, Spotify, iTunes, wherever. Um, we don't just review NXT there. We do the odd uh, movie review as well. So we actually have a review of El Camino, the new Breaking mm. Bad film, uh, which should be out by the time this this podcast drops. Um, you can sign up to our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Up Next where we have a multitude of other reviews going back in time to early NXT, uh, a lot of horror movie reviews this month, um, a lot of AEW talk. Um, so lots going on there. So check that out. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Davey Portman. And my partner in crime, Braden Harrington, is at the D. And finally, we have our Twitter um, our Up Next Twitter, which is at Up Next Podcast. So make sure you follow all of them. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, especially now in the era of the quote-unquote Wednesday Night Wars, it is it is uh, good to see that you guys are, are covering everything. You're staying abreast of what's going on in the wrestling world. And yes, if you got some extra change in your pocket, show some love to Braden and Davey because they do good work. And while you're on Patreon, spending your hard-earned dollars or pounds, uh, is it still pounds or are you guys doing euros? What's what's the we're, deal, we're still, Daniel? Oh, we're, we're, we'll be pounds for sure. Now. We're leaving. We're yeah. leaving the euro. You you bet we're leaving the euro. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot all heading, about that. Heading into heading into the abyss with two rifles firing straight <laughs> out of the euro. <laughs> yeah, I, Daniel, I would tell you to come over to America where it's safe, but given our no, current okay. climate, no, 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 it's fine. No, no, I'm good. Thank you. I'm out, <laughs> dude. I'm. Out. <laughs> 
no, it's okay. We, uh, I'm fine over here. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but while you're on Patreon, spending that hard-earned money, uh, if you feel so inclined, check out the Kings of Sport Patreon, which is something that I've set up myself and Marcus Vandenberg from Yahoo Sports. Uh, new, new father, Marcus Vandenberg. So shout out to Marcus, his lovely wife, and uh, their their young child, who I affectionately refer to as Young Simba. Uh, you can check out the Kings of Sport Patreon, patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport, where we've got video versions of the podcast. We've got movie reviews. We've got political shows. Uh, we've got a lot of different things out there, over 50 hours of content for you good people to check out. So you can check that out. You can find me on Twitter at in the number eight, M-O-Z-A-I-K, at Nate Mosaic on Twitter. Uh, you can find me anywhere in, in terms of podcasts. I got the main event over on Place to Be Nation. I've got the Kings of Sport, obviously. I've got the Rocket Mind via, via Picture Show, obviously. I, uh, I'm over on the DC TV Podcast Network, where I'm uh, one of the co-hosts for the Black Lightning Podcast, where we review the CW's Black Lightning show. So there's, there's a multitude of ways if you want more of me in your ears. And finally, I am also a licensed insurance agent. So if, if you're out here racing the Witch Mountain, if you like Jack Bruno, and you, you know, you got kids to take care of. You can't just depend on that taxi cab salary, Jack Bruno. You got to protect your income, protect your future, talk to a financial planner, talk to somebody like myself and my team, and we can get you on the right track. Uh, let's see. Is that everything? Oh, shout out to Braden Harrington for the theme here on the Rocky My View Picture Show, and shout out to the wonderful and talented uh, Austin James for the cover art for the Rocky Maivia picture show. So that is going to do it for this week's edition of the show. Daniel and Davey, I want to thank both of you two for coming in and talking about this movie and classing up the joint a bit with those lovely accents, fellas. <laughs> thank no you worries. very much, Anytime, Nate. Man. It's been really fun. All right. I'm, I'm sure this will not be the last time uh, that, that, that we speak uh, because like I said to Jenny on the last episode of the show, my my goal is by the time we get to The Rock in phase three of his career where, where he's doing Fast and Furious, I want to make the Fast and Furious reviews just chaos where we've got 10 people on a damn podcast. <laughs> and we're all drinking Coronas because it's about family. Nice. That's great, man. <laughs> hey, if you need someone to do Moana, just give me a call, man. Oh, see, the, the, now that's a movie I think people will be clamoring to do, unlike Race to Witch Mountain. I, I can tell you right now, I have an 18-month-old daughter. I've seen that film 14 mm. billion times. I know every <laughs> single intricate second. I know every pixel. I know everything backwards about that film. If you want some unbiased <laughs> kind of viewpoint on Moana. Oh, see, now, now that, was, that was a good kids movie, unlike Race to Witch Mountain. Moana is way better. Mwah. Yeah. I don't know why I'm throwing so much shade. Like, we've we gotten through this movie, and now I'm still throwing shade. I'm sorry, Race to Witch Mountain. You don't deserve this. They're not even human, Nate. You gotta they're not even human. They're just kids. <laughs> no, they're not children. They're not children. They're not even human. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't want to misquote the, the great work of Andy Figman. <laughs> so uh, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Rocky My View Picture Show. Again, thanks for checking out the show. Shout out again to John Pollock and Wei Ting, the, the founders, the proprietors of Post Wrestling. Uh, and, and we'll be back next month for a review of 2009's Planet 51. So for Daniel Perry, for Davey Portman, and of course, for Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I am the Godfather Nate Milton. And remember, 
Nubian eyes are watching. We'll see you next time, folks. Turn your ass on out of here.